she bangs, she bangs for God and country. A totally irreverent, equally accountable podcast about God and the United States of America. I'm your host, Jennifer Bangs. Episode 6. He is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is wisdom to the mighty. He is succor to the brave. So the world shall be his footstool and the soul of time his slave. Our God is marching on. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, that song was written by a woman, an abolitionist during the Civil War? Judy Garland tried to sing it as a dedication to Kennedy upon his assassination, but CBS wouldn't let her. The first verse were the last words Martin Luther King Jr. ever spoke, and it was performed at Winston Churchill's funeral and the pre-inauguration ceremony of Donald Trump. Have you ever believed something before you saw it happen? There's this precarious time between what we believe is going to happen and when it actually does. Once upon a time, my husband left me, and I had faith he would come back. I didn't know for sure he would, but I had faith. At the time, I sang that song as I walked with my nine-month-old son through our Los Angeles neighborhood. I remember thinking how silly I must have looked, a woman, tears rolling down her face, barely getting out the words to a military song as she pushed her baby in a stroller. I have read a fiery gospel writ in burnished rows of steel. As ye deal with my contemners, so with you my grace shall deal. Let the hero born of woman crush the serpent with his heel, since God is marching on. That song was written during the Civil War, A war between Americans, between our brethren. I sang it when I was battling my other half, and I sing it again today in 2021 as our nation feels very fraught with hatred for one another. I want to confess something, and I may lose some listeners if they only listen to the first part of what I'm about to say, so please, let me finish before you dismiss me, because I have a point. I have said from the inception of this podcast that I'm pretty nonpartisan. I grew up Republican, then swung to the middle for most of my adult life, and recently found myself leaning more left, switching from independent to Democrat. But my heart is usually always somewhere in the middle. So now that you know where I'm coming from, here's what I want to confess. I went to the rally in D.C. January 6th. 
I went there not to support Donald Trump, but to pray, to battle in the spirit for our nation. I noticed at other Trump rallies, people made MAGA flags into capes, so I made a cape of my own. It read Psalm 148, Praise the Lord. I didn't join in the shouts for Trump, but I did pray for my nation. And I will tell you that 100% of the people I saw there were not hateful. Not one. I didn't see any white supremacists or Nazis or Antifa. I saw some BLM people, but they were peaceful too. Everyone was peaceful. Everyone was kind. I saw black people there. I saw Hispanic people there. I saw gay people there. And yes, I even saw the guy with the animal fur there too. Not the one with the horns, the other one. And in the few seconds I saw him, he was peaceful as well. I was 150 yards from the Capitol. I saw the people climb the steps. I saw the cops with their hands in their pants, not the least bit concerned. Occasionally, I'd see tear gas thrown and a group would move away from the tear gas. And then the cops would throw another canister and the group would move back to where they just were. But no panic, no violence. I saw a couple people come back, their eyes watering. They said, ow. They weren't pissed. No one was pissed. I eventually left because I was bored. I was also at Trump's speech that morning, the one where he supposedly incited people to violence. (laughs) Please. I left before he stopped talking because I was bored then, too. I must have left only minutes before he stopped talking because then the crowd started moving toward the Capitol. No one was running or rushing or screaming. They just walked. So what's my point? It's this. What I experienced that day was peaceful. No, I wasn't in every spot that day, but I can tell you with 100% confidence it was no angry mob. Sure, some a-holes busted a couple windows and took some selfies in the Capitol, but then why were cops ushering some groups in? And don't be fooled by the up-close action that only shows a few rowdy eggs. If the cameras had bothered to zoom out, they'd see a bunch of nothing going on. It was peaceful. The people there, probably 99% Republicans, were peaceful. Nowhere I haven't experienced peace? Here, in New York City. First, by a hateful white woman who came up to me on the subway and screamed in my face to put my mask on. When I told her I had just left a rapid COVID test with a negative result, which was totally true, she screamed, I don't give a shit where you've been! You could have picked up COVID in those 15 minutes and given it to me! Which makes zero scientific sense for so many reasons, but whatevs. I realized at that point, logic and reason and science were not things she embraced, so I lowered my head and continued reading my phone. She continued screaming, It's the law of New York! That's what we have to do in New York! It's the law! I continued with my head and my phone, saying nothing. She then paused. Oh, you're not from here, are you? I smiled under my breath as I've lived in New York on and off since the 90s. That's it, she said. You're not from here. Then, as if she'd had an epiphany of epiphanies, I know where you're from. I bet you came up from D.C., didn't you? I continued reading, and then she began calling for the police and shouting that I had to get off the train. I looked up when the car stopped moving and realized it was my stop. Feeling pissed, I was giving her the illusion she had single-handedly thrown me off the train. And even as I stepped out of the train, she leaned her head out the door, screaming for a police officer to, what, arrest me? I don't know. There are no cops left in New York City, sweetie, because your banshee calls defunded the police, so good luck with that. So yeah, the one person I've witnessed filled with hate was a Democrat. But Jen, you may say, that's just one example. Is it? How about my daughter's 11-year-old best friend in L.A. when he heard I'd gone to the rally in D.C. told my daughter, and I quote, tell your mom to fuck off. 
I immediately found the boy's parents' phone number and called his father, first sending him a screenshot of the damning message. And you know what this not-11-year-old grown man said to me? Well, politics are hard these days, especially for kids. Uh, what does politics have to do with your son telling me to fuck off? His response, did you go to the Trump rally? (laughs) I guess going to the Capitol to pray for our country during a really tumultuous time in our nation is worthy of me being screamed at and told to fuck off. It doesn't stop there. Don Lemon, oh, dreamy Don Lemon, went off the other day saying that if you voted for Donald Trump, you voted with Nazis and white supremacists. Does Don Lemon have like no Republican friends who can show him otherwise? What kind of rock is he living under where he only surrounds himself with one type of person, rendering him inept as a reporter? Hitler at times also said he believed in Jesus. So using Don's logic and insinuation, does that mean if Hitler says he supports Jesus, I shouldn't support Jesus because Hitler did? I'm sorry, this hurts my brain trying to keep up with how a vote in America makes you a racist or bigot when, correct me if I'm wrong, neither candidate ran on a white supremacist or homophobic platform. Oh, wait a second. Wasn't it Biden who voted against gay marriage in 2008? Yep, sure did. But that's right. Trump's the homophobic one. Don't be fooled, people. Some bad eggs are wanting us to hate each other, and I'll not have it. When I emerged from the subway after that woman verbally assaulted me, it took everything I had within me to pray for blessing for her, to forgive her, not hate her, to pray that God would bless her, not show her what's up. And I've prayed for that boy's father, too. I know his son's a dick simply because his dad is. My daughter was really sad about losing her friend. All night, she kept telling me how sad she was. And I saw her messages to the boy, asking him if they could still be friends, that she cared about him. His answer? Nah, your mom went to a Trump rally. My dear friend prays for people on social media when they attack her. Flat out writes out her prayers there in Jesus' name. And when other people jump on her in the person's defense, she starts writing prayers to them in Jesus' name. Shuts them up real quick and gives them a genuine blessing. (laughs) So I've decided every time someone hates on me because I went to a rally on January 6th, I'm going to ask for blessings for that person. In fact... I'm putting this prayer down in permanent audio print that if you're listening to this podcast hating on me because I'm not as Democrat as you like or as Republican as you like, Lord, I ask you to bless them and open their eyes to your truth and your grace, and that all hatred will melt away and replace it with peace and harmony. I don't mean to get all kumbaya, but what else are we going to do? Continue to fight? Our nation is in such disarray. We've been pitted against each other. We've been enlisted in a cruel war where we aren't even identifying the real enemy. It's not each other, but we're made to think that we are. Our real enemies are the ones inciting us to riot. And please don't nod your head and be like, yeah, Trump and those effing capital guys who broke in when we've been burning each other's stores and livelihoods down for a half a year. Both sides are guilty of rioting. Both sides are guilty of destruction. And I'll go ahead and say it, you BLM people are the biggest culprits. But I get it. The government locked us up in our homes, shut our businesses down, closed the schools, we all lost our jobs, and we sat seething in our basements for too long. I blame bad leaders we elected who were supposed to serve we the people and have our best interest in mind. We haven't been served. We've been pitted against one another. You can't even say whom you voted for without getting hate. Where is our dignity and grace? We lost it when bad actors shook us up like capped two liters and popped the lids off. 
No wonder we're going to spew all over each other. So, how are we supposed to get out of this? There is a battle going on for sure, but just like I referenced in my very first episodes, the battle is not against each other. The book of Ephesians says we do not war against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. This is how I can forgive 11-year-old boys and their shitty dads. Because at the end of the day, I believe screaming fuck you is coming from a place much more sinister than probably you or I even want to admit. Just like people are influenced heavily by love, i.e. God, we can also be influenced by hate, i.e. evil. So we have to keep that in mind and keep forgiving each other. Keep humbling ourselves. This is not easy. I'm not saying this because I have a leg up on anyone listening. I'm saying this as much to myself as I am to you. A Biden presidency isn't going to get us there. And a Trump presidency isn't either. And it is my firm belief after a lot of prayer and a lot of listening to wise ones around me that God and only God is going to show up on the scene and make things right. And I believe this because I look around and I see no way out. If Biden fraudulently stole the election, then over half the country will be feeling they are being ruled by a thief and a liar. If Trump remains president or takes a seat back, almost half the country will feel cheated. No way does a victory for either man unify this country. And as I've pondered these things, I've been brought back over and over to the Exodus narrative. I've referenced it in my Trump episode, and that must have been prophetic because I wasn't thinking about it in those terms when I recorded that episode. I'm well aware that I said Trump would remain president, and most of the prophets I've listened to have only doubled down. But the tune I'm hearing all of them say is this. God's going to show up. He's going to show up big time. God doesn't want to share his glory with another. He won't. And that's what struck me as I walked around the ellipse in the Capitol. People were there looking to Trump to save them. I thought I'd see a lot of John 316 posters like you do at football games. I thought for sure I'd see a Jesus 2020 sign. No such thing. I was the only one there with any signage about God, at least that I saw. And as I walked around D.C. that day, that is what filled my spirit the most. How this isn't going to go the way the Republicans want. By way of Trump swooping in with some crazy but legit siege to take back what was rightfully his. And it's not going to go the way the Democrats think. Joe Biden isn't going to swoop in and clean up any messes either. He can't do it. He doesn't have the power to do it. It will be God. We will all stand back and say, wow, God. Because this country is the only country in the history of the world that was established upon Christian principles. God loves the United States of America, not because we're awesome, but because hundreds of years ago, some really incredible men relied on God and sought a kind of government where freedom reigned, where we inscribed things like, in God we trust on our money, where we signed and sealed the words, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all with the foreknowledge that we wouldn't get everything right so we could amend things. God, that's just brilliant. If anything, what 2020 did for me was make me proud to be an American. I have never cared so much about our government and praying for our country. I've never been more in awe of our founding fathers. Yeah, they weren't perfect, and neither are we. But they created one incredible way of life. The whole world looks to us. The whole world wants to be here. Because here, men are free. At least, that's what we're supposed to be. 
but we're not free when we are enslaved to hatred for one another. But I go back to my question, how do we get out of that? How do we battle powerful forces seeming to overtake what is good? Or what happens when my country is going in a direction that seems super dark? When the battle seems insurmountable or the end game bleak? This is the cry that has been echoed since the dawn of time. I was at a prayer meeting last week, one of the very few in the entire city of New York, because all the Christians here are a bunch of pussies who refuse to meet in person. And at this prayer meeting, where there's only like five of us, we were praying mightily for God's spirit to pour out. And I'll tell you, my prayers were ones of frustration and confusion and anger. The hostess of the group whipped out Psalm 94, which felt like a slight rebuke of my mini temper tantrum, and yet a waterfall of relief filled my soul as she read it. How long, O Lord, will the wicked prosper? King David said it better than me, figures the Bible would say it better than me, and say it for centuries ahead of me. How long, O Lord? How long will you tarry as our nation devolves into so much division? It's going to take something big to rescue us something of biblical proportions. God is poising us for something great. God is strategizing with us, even though I don't think we quite understand. Instead, the confusion leads to anger or hopelessness and a feeling like God is checked out. But this is often how God operates when he's about to do something epic. So back to the Exodus account when the Hebrews had just been set free from Egyptian captivity. The second they left Pharaoh's grip, God didn't take them on a direct, easy route, but rather sent them out of the way through the wilderness. And then after a while, he instructed Moses to turn the people back and face a certain way. He strategically placed them, hemming them in. And it is my deduction that he did this so that they would have no way out. And so when Pharaoh slaps his forehead and says, why in the world did I let all my slaves go? God's people would be caught between an ocean and a charging army. And the people turned to Moses and cried, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die out here. And that is where we are right now, America. We see a charging army of hatred coming for us and a political backdrop we cannot swim through. And there is no way out. But God Watch what he will do. Watch him raise an ocean and slap it down with the effort of a whisper. He will deliver. He will save. And I think about that little shepherd boy, David, when he heard people mocking his God, suited up in sheepskin and brought a slingshot to a gunfight. He didn't care the odds were not in his favor. He didn't give a shit. Goliath was trash talking and David knew his God was bigger. And with one stone and one call upon the Lord of hosts, David took the giant down. And I think about the Israeli army walking around the walled city of Jericho, walking around and around and around and around. And then on the last around, God says, shout like you've never shouted before. And the walls came down. Over and over, God has delivered his people in legendary, miraculous ways. He works best when the chips are down, the bets are off and the lights are out. Jesus told his followers, he die, but come back to life. But when he bowed his head and breathed his last breath, They all lost hope, but like a parting Red Sea, a deadly stone and a wall crumbling cry, God conquered even death. We serve a glorious and mighty God who will not abandon this country. And even if you don't serve God, you will be extraneously blessed on the periphery because God's love for this country is deep and wide. The battle is his and he will rescue us from this mess we are in. 
he's not done with America. He's just getting started with Act Two. Wait a minute, let me take your back. Wait a minute.